You're listening to Becoming CEO, where we share our journeys as solo founders to becoming the CEO of seven-figure businesses. And these are our behind-the-scenes conversations as we figure it out, and these are things that most people just aren't sharing. So there's a, there's a fire in the business. We're not sure if you're going to die yet. Uh, you've, I think, determined that it's okay to let it burn. How do you... How'd you build up the skill set to let things burn and watch? <laughs> watch this Honestly, thing I think, inside you. I think the, the, the gift that my business has given me that's been more valuable than any other gift, I mean, more than the experience, more than the money, more than the gratification, more than any of those things has been self-awareness. Mm. That to me, like yes. running a business has been like, it's like, it's, it's, it's like shining a giant magnifying glass on you, the good and the bad and the ugly, <laughs> right? Like most, mostly I, bad and ugly, but well, yeah, there, <laughs> there's an upside, but like, I know my strengths now better than I ever did. Mm. I also know my weaknesses better than I ever did. And, you know, to, like that's frankly, that's how I contextualize problems and challenges. Like I, my worldview which I don't always adhere to like in my weaker moments. Right. But what I strive to adhere to is that problems and challenges are gifts that are meant to teach you something about yourself that you can learn from. So yeah. you can either flee from it and then learn nothing or embrace it and become better as a result. And so I'll tell you what I learned about myself just in, in, in this vein of being patient and letting problems burn, so to speak. Right. Um, and this is going to sound like a product pitch. Have you, let me ask you this question first. Have you taken the mm-hmm. Colby assessment? Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. What are you? Five, six, seven, three. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. It's, All right. That's, so that's actually the exact same response that I get from every single person that I tell that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like my, mine is, uh, easier to, to, to understand. So for those who are listening, who don't know what that is. So, so Colby is an interesting uh, personality assessment that unlike other assessments, it measures your conative ability, C-O-N-A-T-I-V-E, conative ability. That is, it's not a, it's not like an introversion, extroversion. It's not about, you know, whether you uh, are a certain type of person or, you know, anything like that. It's about how it's you like how make you, decisions. how you work. Yeah. Yeah. It's like how you operate, how you process information, how you make decisions. And the idea is that it's, it's pretty fixed. Like this is hardwired into and you're not going to change. And taking it will, so for me, that was my monumental leap forward in terms of self-awareness, like that assessment. And I've done all of them and they've all been helpful, but that taught me the most of what I needed to know about myself in order to operate my business. So, um, quick rundown of how it works. There's, there's four, um, there's four domains and the idea is that you have like a tank of gas in each domain and whichever tank has the most gas is like your dominant ability, your, your dominant cognitive ability, but they're ranked like one to four, right? So Greg, for example, you were what? Five, no, six, I seven, three. It, I think it goes to, no, it goes to 10, doesn't it? Yes. It goes to 10. Yeah. yeah. I mean, f- there's four categories though. Yeah. yeah, yeah and you get scored in yeah. each of them one to 10. So I have them. Five, I have six, their seven, website. Three. I have their website up. If you want me to read what, how they define them. Yeah. Go for it. So the four categories are one fact finder. So when I said five, six, seven, three, I'm a five in fact finder, which is one's way of gathering and sharing information. 
Two is follow through, one's way of organizing. Uh, three is quick start, which is one's way of dealing with risk and uncertainty. And the last is implementer, which is one's way of handling space and tangibles. So I am, I'd actually love to pull this up to make sure I get it right, but I don't know that I can. Uh, I believe I'm a, th I'm a three, four, nine, three. So yeah. Greg was five, six, seven, three. I'm three, yeah. four, nine, three. The, what that means is I have one clear dominant ability. Yeah. Like my nine is by far my dominant ability. Greg's a little more balanced, which doesn't surprise me now that we talk about it, right? Five, six, seven, three. <laughs> so for me, I'll bring this home. Uh, what was your I'm fact finder? Either three. Either three or four. You three said four. three. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I think I was three, four, nine, three, I believe. So for me, the nine is the one that I'm you know really paying attention to. I'm a quick start by a long stretch. Quick start is my I'm surprised ability. that you're a three or a four. I think you're higher in that. If you did that again. Possibly. It might have been four, three, nine, three, to be honest. I don't remember. Because you make so many database decisions. And so like you look at a lot of that stuff beforehand. And that's really where Fact Finder comes through. It's like I'm a five where it's like I need I, I get just enough into the details that I understand it before, like I have to do, uh, understand enough of the details before I can like really, before I can really do anything. Um, whereas like someone who's like a three is like, they just go, like they don't, they're not like really basing, they're like, they don't want to look into any of the facts. They don't want to look in any of the details or the data. They just move kind of more instinctually. Um, you seem like a data person. So yeah, that, that surprised me, but hey, who knows? Yeah, I mean, it may very well be a four. Uh, I'm like trying to log in Just as we're doing this, and it's not dog. working. <laughs> in any case, um, the the thing that that really taught me, though, about being a quick start, which is either way, like that's my dominant ability, is that one, it's in my nature to want to start things. Yeah. So my nature, which is like most, which is most, I'd say, entrepreneurs, especially those that would be pegged as like the visionary, the one who started the business. So totally. if you're, if that's you listening, you're likely going to be higher on the quick start. Like yeah. I'm a seven, he's a nine. Like I'm not surprised that you're a little bit more balanced, but I'm also not surprised that you're highest on quick start. Cause that's pretty common. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what that teaches me about myself is I'm like, I'm, I'm, my bias will always be action, action, action. Oh, there's a problem. Fix it. Right. Like what we talked about last episode, something's going on, mm -hmm. fix it, fix it. Don't ask a lot of questions. Don't need a ton of data. Some of us need more than others, right? Mm -hmm. But very strong bias to act, 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 act. Which is, again, you know, to nod to the discussion yesterday, probably what got us here to a certain extent. Like, there was that ability yeah. is what enabled us to build what we built, right? But there is a point at which that becomes a handicap. Yes. Because if we keep yeah, doing so new things, we don't have the time to see things through that we're already doing. Yeah, and based on your comment, if you did not listen to the last episode, you should probably pause this one and go listen to that one because we're picking up where we left off. This is kind of part two of a conversation around having patience, um, letting things play out. Uh, sometimes things that are uncomfortable burning inside the business that you know need to be fixed, but you also need to let it play out a little bit longer, which means you need to like be comfortable with experiencing some of that discomfort. <laughs> And I'll, and I'll tell you where, like, to your point, you were surprised because you're like, oh, but you, like, you're seemingly data-driven and you make decisions based on data. I think that's a learned behavior. 
So I, I, I think what I've learned from, from taking mm -hmm. Colby and just running the business and making lots of mistakes and, you know, having the battle wounds to show for it is mm -hmm. I've learned still learning, frankly, when to trust my instinct and go with my quick start instinct. Like when I intuitively know what to do, then I just do it. And then I've learned when to step back and try to gather more information, look at the data more closely to inform a decision. I think for me, that's been the big learning is like knowing when to act and knowing when to pause and being able to discern what the right move is in the situation. But knowing full well that my bias, like that's harder for me because my yeah. bias is quick start. Right. And so, I mean, I think back to the point of, you know, self-awareness and like as you're growing your business, I think one being an entrepreneur is probably like the, the best self-development course you can ever sign up for, which mm -hmm. hopefully is helping you create more self-awareness as a byproduct. But you, you alluded to that and we're looking for like, well, how are things like, what are things that you've done to be more self-aware? I think obviously one, take the Colby test, um, because to know how you, like your default mode of operating, uh, is, can kind of maybe open your eyes to, Hey, Whoa, like I'm really just jumping, jumping really quick into this with not a lot of info like that. That'll maybe explain some of your behavior. Um, and obviously once you understand where that's coming from, cause that's how you are wired, you can obviously then catch yourself in those moments, especially if it's maybe, you know, not an opportunity or not the right time to quick start, <laughs> you know? And then there's a lot of, I think really useful, uh, takeaways too in terms of strengths. So one thing mm -hmm. I learned about quick starts is we tend to not need to prepare a lot for things. I love free it's not, yeah. it's not a coincidence that Greg and I hop on here once a week and go, all right, hit record. What, <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about this? Oh yeah, yeah let's go. I could totally, totally talk about that for days. And, and to be honest, like I, I, I saw my procrastination and my, um, like always leaving things to the last minute as a flaw until I did Colby mm. and it reframed it as a strength that I'm just able to think on my feet and actually I'm better. I'm better when I'm thinking on my feet than when I'm overly prepared and scripted, which I thought was a flaw. Mm. I probably gave myself grief for it. It completely reframed the whole thing. Now I'm able to, to harness what's actually a strength and not feel bad about it. Yeah, I think uh, most on, like entrepreneurs are. Um, By the way, I'm four three nine three. You were right. I actually am higher on FactFinder. I finally found okay. it. Yeah, it makes me feel a tiny bit better, but I still think that that's off by two. Um, <laughs> so this probably has not just tied to entrepreneurs, but I think it shows up a lot more in entrepreneurs. Is that um, uh, I've really lost my train of thought when you threw out that score. So I'm just going to carry on to, to self-awareness because you, you, you derailed me. Um, so I think Colby, like you said, you, you understand the, the working on your feet. Oh, I know where I was going with that. It was that, um, that laziness you talked about procrastination. I think most of us operate well, like with our back against the wall to some degree, like, and you know, back to, I like having my back against the wall when, you know, I know the building isn't going to burn down, but like there's pressure to get something done, like a deadline, you know, the deadline is, Hey, I got like, we have our, you know, our client intensive next week. And I've been like creating stuff for it the last couple weeks. And it's like, 
I'm getting so much done and I got a lot more done earlier this time than last time. But like, it's still like, you could, you're still cutting it a little close, Greg, you know, but like it's the, the, the quality i also see is still high in my opinion. Like, Oh, this is actually one of the better, you know, things that I've put together and I did it in less time and I could have still started earlier, but I almost operate better that way. But if I, even if it's not to my own standard, while I'll be disappointed, like the client probably won't know. Whereas, you know, to the concept of this whole two part episode so far, it's, if there's something burning and the whole business is going to go down, like I'm not sure I want my back against that sort of wall, but there are like, like you said, fires inside the building that some of which you got to let burn out and, or maybe they are actually down the street. Do you, do you feel like yeah. that? Like you just operate with your back against the wall? Yeah. And I think like uh, the other big learning for us has been, having people on the team, myself included, like embrace the way they operate and, and know that about one another. So everybody in my company knows I'm a quick start. Everybody knows that Ahmed is like kind of erratic and always has like, like if you need an idea, you go to Ahmed, go have a brainstorm call. He will fill you with ideas, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what he's good for basically. (laughs) But he's also really bad at following through on things. Don't give him a project to own. Everyone knows like Ahmed is where projects go to die. (laughs) Don't give him a project, right? Like you got to manage him. You got to get him involved when you need him. And then you got to get him out of the way so you can see it through. Right. And I know this about other people on my team. Plenty of projects to start. Exactly. Right. And it's like, it's fun. It's like the, the other, the other day, um, somebody started a Slack channel, right. Mm-hmm. And while they were typing out instructions for how to use the channel and the purpose, I had already jumped in and sent five messages in the channel and everyone's laughing. Cause it's like, he couldn't even wait 30 seconds for instructions on what this channel is about. The moment I saw a Slack channel, it prompted a thought and I was in there firing away. Messages, what, what was right? the channel called? Um, so it was group call clips. And so it was the way that we're going to like, they had a whole system for like, when you get off a call, if you want to clip something for either client training for the portal or for marketing, you provide a timestamp. And, and I just started just dropping things without the instructions. Like they had a whole form that was ready to be filled out. Right. And I just dropped like five clips. Right. That's, that's me in a nutshell. But then the flip side is I also know about my team. Mm-hmm. I know how they operate. I know their Colby score. I know their the way they tend to process information. So I have, you know, a bunch of follow throughs on my team, right? Yeah. And there's which is typically like your number two, your operations people. And there's conflict there, like healthy conflict, tension. Oh yeah. I want to oh, do yeah. things. They say no. I'm like, what the hell? What do you mean no? Right? Like, why do we need to go through like you know my my frequent um, grievance is like, why do we need five meetings to make a decision on something? And their grievance is, why do you make decisions from like the hip? Like, can you think things through for a change? And we end up being balanced. You're like three right? meetings. So, it is. So, so, so the three, literally, right? So the learning there for me has been, you know, first of all, my way of doing things is not the best way of doing things. Different people have different abilities, different ways of thinking, different ways of processing information. They're all good. Combined together, we're stronger than any one individual. And secondly, don't surround yourself with people who are like you. Because <laughs> if I had a company full of quick starts, oh boy. 
Well, so to bring this back to the self-awareness piece, right? Because like, you know, you just said, you know, that, you know, that's not the best way to do it. Right. Um, and I think, you know, historically I would have said stuff like that too. And it's like, okay, well best compared to what, like it might actually be the best for how you and your team operate. Right. It might not be best for how me and my team operate. It might not be best compared to somebody else, but like if it's best for you guys, like the ability to also understand those sorts of things, like out irrespective of that situation, like what works for other people might not be what's good for you. Yeah. And like to be aware of that and be like, all right, like I love, like here's a, here's a real time example. Uh, so, you know, we have daily sales huddles minus like minus on Fridays, like the, the, our advisors both also meet, but I don't, I don't attend the Friday sales huddle. Um, and in my opinion, I think it's really exhausting and unnecessary. Um, and, uh, the I was just talking to another person who manages uh, eight different sales teams, and her philosophy was, I like one sales huddle a week, and I just hire people that are self like are self motivated and perform. And like she's like, I'd rather be on calls selling than on a even a fifteen minute huddle. Like I'd rather be doing sales activities like give me one meeting. And then she's like, for one of our clients, we do two a week. And I was like, huh, like the world that I've been exposed to is harping on. It has to be daily. And which is why I adopted it. Right. And I saw improvements, but I'm also, it's like, okay, well for everyone that's saying that there's obviously someone that's finding success, not that because maybe that's not for them. And I'm actually really intrigued, uh, by, you know, those, I guess, uh, people that are like, oh, it's black and white. It's got to be daily. Or it's like, all right, well, like we don't meet with them at all and we're killing it. So like clearly it can be done. It's like, all right, like what is best for me might not actually be what is being told um, or advised by say someone else. So, uh, so I, I think I, 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 I look at things more like that now. I think sports is a good metaphor. You, uh, I like hockey, so we're going to go with hockey. Okay. Okay, I don't really know much about hockey, but well, it's, it, this applies to I think any team sport, right? Like yeah. you could be, um, actually I'm going to use my daughter as an example. So okay. my daughter is 10 years old. She plays hockey and she is so much better in practice than in games. Hope she's not listening. <laughs> she's so much. I mean, you watch her in is. practice. That's awesome. By the way. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she in practice, like she's fast she moves she can shoot like she's really confident with the puck like she's really good in practice but practice is generally like a one person show right like it's you're doing the drills on your own there's some like team elements right but it's not like a game where the game is a team sport you got to play together with each other it's there's no focus on the individual there's a focus on the team right and so she's she plays for a couple of different teams and so like she's learning how to take her individual capability and have that mesh with the team. And every time you play with different players, it's a different learning experience, right? right. I, I think that's a perfect metaphor for business because I know what I'm really good at mm. and you know what you're really good at. But when we mesh with a team, they have strengths, they have weaknesses, right? They have things that they're good at. They have challenges of their own and you have to kind of learn how are we going to work together? What's, what's yeah. like the perfect mix, the perfect strategy, the perfect method, routine, decision-making protocol, et cetera, for this team. And mine might be very different from yours, might be very different from, from somebody else's. And that's 
part of the journey here is finding out what that is. Yeah. This went way different than I was expecting. (laughs) Usually does conversation. (laughs) Um, So I guess to maybe circle back on, on some of this though, like the, there's a fire in the building or somewhere we've established that at certain levels, as you kind of scale up and you have a team underneath you, you sometimes or often rather need to let things play out, let other people possibly make some mistakes so that they can learn and grow and better support you long-term to your big picture goals. Um, are there things that you do to, um, kind of keep your quick start at bay? (laughs) Yeah. By the way, like I'm, I'm laughing at the irony of this whole episode because you're I'm a three on follow through. You're a six on follow through. And every episode, what happens is my quick start will go in like a million different directions. And then you will always bring it home at the end. You'll always be like, OK, so back to the topic. It happens yeah. if you pay attention every single episode. I'd have to go back and look. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, but you know, but it's the you. question. Otherwise, you know, we, yeah. all right. I'll come coming back. This no, episode it's, it's has 45 different names. <laughs> I have to find So personally, I have to find ways to keep myself focused. And so, uh, I would say the way we do that in a, in a nutshell is planning. Mm. We have a annual planning r- routine. We have a quarterly planning routine and we have a monthly planning routine. Mm. And what that does is, and we have a, we have a biweekly as well. Um, depending on the team, every team's a little bit different. So what that does is that allows me to be my quick start in the planning process and to be very iterative and very idea uh, focused and, and, and creative. But then when we're in between planning milestones, like when we're in a sprint, so to speak, to shut that part off and just go. And there's controls around that via the planning process. Um, the team pushes back on me all the time. Uh, and I'd say that that that's what's worked for me is just putting those controls in place through the planning process. And, and I think just also having learned the hard way that I can be yeah. very disruptive and mm-hmm. uh, it could derail a lot of things. And I have to really uh, kind of pull myself back as a result. Yeah. Your answer is better than mine. Um, <laughs> oh, I guess better relative to what? Um, but... Yeah, planning definitely helps. Um, our meeting cadence, I think, also helps because there'll be, um, like, for example, uh, there were a couple things that I was like, oh, man, like, I should go talk to Lisa about this. She's, like, my number two. Um, this was, like, end of day yesterday. And I was like, do I drop this bomb right now in a Slack channel or do I add it to our Monday meeting agenda and, like, let it marinate? for myself over the weekend. Cause I'm sure if I look at it again as a line item on this agenda, it's going to be probably approached with less emotion or, um, you know, whatever, less, you know, anxiety or whatever, like caused me to be like, Oh my God, I need to get this over there now. And like in hindsight, it's like, it wasn't urgent. I would have possibly derailed where, you know, what she was working on. It probably would have led to me having to work longer yesterday than I would have anticipated. And it's like, nothing's going to break or no one's going to die or nothing's going to like, it's not, it's like more of a strategic thing. So it's like, all right, let's like, I'm putting it on the list to talk about in the future on this meeting that we know happens every week. And so I find like, Hey, something happens that I want to tell the sales team. Oh, I'll just add it to the agenda for the next sales meeting. Like 
if obviously it's urgent, I would go into Slack and be like, yo, let's hop on a quick call. But I do a lot of stuff like that where it's like, okay, can this wait till the next time that I'm supposed to be speaking to this person? It's almost always yes. And so I add it. Um, and I think the conversation around whatever that thing is, is always healthier by having it wait. Um, but where my initial thought of when you're like planning, I was like, huh, for me, it's like, I just work less. Like, like by what I mean by that is like I mentioned earlier, like I'm going mountain biking after this. Like I, it's like, it's like the version of tying my hands behind my back. Like, well, I can't disrupt if I'm out there. Um, so trying, uh, what I've that's like one, one way of like, you know, forcing function, change my environment where I'm, I'm not even in a place where I can really disrupt other people, um, and trying to find more opportunities for that. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, an activity that is me not working. Um, but, uh, having less things that I need to get done in a week. Um, like for example, like, I always have a big three for the week and, um, I got them all done on Wednesday and there's, there's been other availabilities for me to add stuff to that list, but it's like, like me squeezing something in that is already planned for next week, like, or even the following week, like, is that actually the best use of my time or like honor that extra space and like go stretch, go take a walk, take the dog for a walk, like, oh, get some fresh air. And I feel like some of those things I'm like trying to do better of, which is definitely still weird. I'm still struggling with it because it's like, I a little bit feel guilty that I should be doing something. And like, like I posted, I was like, Hey guys, like have a great weekend. I'm recording a podcast and I'm gonna go on my bike because it's supposed to snow. And everyone was like, have a great weekend, have a great weekend, have a great weekend. And I was like, Ooh, that feels like I got some guilt right when they said that I'm like, Oh, should I be doing something? But like I knocked out everything that they needed me to knock out this week um, early. And so reward myself. All of this flies in the face of hustle culture. Yes. There's so many people in your feed, in my feed, in your the listener's feed that are telling them that they just need to work harder and harder. And, and sometimes they call it work smarter and they mean harder. Yeah. <laughs> And then they're like, they're like, or do both. <laughs> and, and yeah, I mean, that just really hit me because I, I struggle with this too, right? Like when we've talked about this in previous episodes, like I will have periods of time where I'm lighter in terms of work. And then it's just a matter of time before guilt sets in. And I feel like I need to be doing more. And then I go through a season of doing a lot and then it, it kind of ebbs and flows. But I feel like we were just exposed to, or in, or still exposed to so much like dogma around hustle, hustle, do, 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 action, 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 action. That it's hard to just unlearn some of that stuff and like rewire the way you think about the relationship between action and results. Yeah. I posted, it was yesterday, the other day on Twitter, like that, cause I think, I mean, most, I think most entrepreneurs are in some way, shape or form competitive. Um, whether they want to admit that or not, uh, with themselves and with their peers. Uh, Alex Hormozzi says, like, um, something along the lines of, like, you don't have a problem with someone else winning unless they're winning better, more than you are. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like, uh, but um, 
the like it's you're just so exposed to it right like you see like you said you see all this stuff and i did this post and i was like wanting to is a good enough reason like sometimes i'm like people are like well why do you want that i'm like because i want it and then they'd be like but like but why i'm like because i just effing want it that's why i don't need a i don't need more of a reason than wanting to it might be illogical to you. That's fine. It actually might be even illogical to me, but I can't deny the fact that I want X, Y, Z to happen. And so there, there, I want it. And that's enough. Like that's enough. But I think the problem with that is, and I actually just went through, a, and I'm in the process still of unfollowing a lot of people, <laughs> unsubscribing to YouTube channels, Twitter, Instagram, um, some of which are even friends and people that sometimes inspire me, but sometimes also I'm just like, if I have a negative thought about myself from reading something that they posted mute, like it's yeah. like, it's like a go-to and I'm like yeah. unfollowing people. Like, do I really need to learn more from this person at this, this point or would it be better and healthier for me to kind of, you know, not be exposed to it. And I'm really, because I do end up wanting things that other people might want that I don't, I, I might want to want those things, but I don't actually want them. And that comes from me just, you know, consuming and seeing all these things in my face. Uh, but I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm, I want to want that. And by seeing these people, it makes me want to want that. So I have to force myself to unfollow, unfollow. Hey, I respect the hell out of this person. They were great in my life at one point, unfollow. I could always come back and refollow them if I want to, like when I'm more in control of myself. But I realize that I'm that way. Maybe another topic, but I just don't consume anything. That's my fix to the problem that you presented. That's why you don't respond to my text messages. That was one thing I was going to say. I was like, there's days where I text you and I'm like, how the hell does this guy not respond to my text? Sorry. Like, it's like my phone's put away it's like, somewhere. And it's like three days later. But no, it's also, I'm like, I'm inspired by it too. Because like, I think I'm sometimes, like, I feel like I have to respond to certain people. And as of recent, I'm like trying to get better at like, I don't owe this person a response at all. And so like, I'll just delete it. And I'm, there's a bunch of emails that like, hey, do you want this? Blah, blah, blah. Can I do this? I'm like, delete, like. I don't have to respond. Um, so yeah, kudos to you because you're probably focused on something that's more important than whatever I was probably saying. Yeah. But with social, like to your point, I feel the same way, you know, like there's just, there's so much noise out there. It's not meant for me. It's not helping me. If anything, it triggers, you know, negative ideas and thoughts. So I've just stopped consuming. The only thing I consume now is Twitter. And even that, I think it's, pretty sporadic i'm mostly going there to post and to tweet and not really to read um, mm -hmm. i'm actually concerned about that to be honest the more i've gotten into twitter the more i'm consuming i think it's actually causing problems i'll probably delete that app off my, off my phone pretty soon but i I'm, I'm frankly just trying to consume as little social media as possible and as much like i'll i'm reading and i'm listening to audiobooks that's my main consumption is in book form and then mm -hmm. the odd that's times i'm trying to get truly useful at. on social like somebody will share it with me. Like you, you'll share YouTube videos with me, right? Mm -hmm. I know if something's really useful. It's going to find me somehow. Someone's yeah. going to share it. Someone's going to give it to me. Totally. Well, that's not what this any top, final words about, but <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the final, that's the final words thought. on, on self-awareness and how you can use that to navigate the, the moments in your business where you gotta just let it burn. 
or play out or wait my, longer. My final word on this is like, if all you get out of your business is more self-awareness, it's worth it. Mm. And here's mine, which I'll steal from uh, Miss Rachel Rogers, uh, who wrote the book. I think we all should be millionaires or something like that. Uh, she just got interviewed on a podcast that I listened to. And she said, more hobbies, less offers. More hobbies, less offers. And I was like, hell yeah. Like, stop creating more extra stuff that makes your business more complex or possibly creates more problems and go read a book. Go take a walk. <laughs> go do something that is not business related. Like, get a damn hobby. We should talk about this on another episode because on the flip side, your boy Alex Hermosi has no hobbies. All he does is work. Oh, yeah. For sure. 100%. <laughs> uh, he, I mean, he works out, which is, but, yeah. That's an interesting topic. Let's talk about that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. i also not sure I would, in, in the place to say he's my boy. I do, I do love his <laughs> business content. <laughs> I do love his business content. I would say, like, you're my boy because we talk all the time. I've hung out with him once, twice, but yeah, I do love his content, but yeah, I very much like he does, doesn't have kids. Doesn't have, like, there are certain things that I just can't relate to, um, when it comes to him. And so like, you have to kind of take some of those things with a grain of salt for sure, but still respect the hell. Yeah, like I, I know people that you have worked you, with him boo. personally. Yeah. I know yeah. people that have worked with him personally and, and he's told them like, we, uh, our life, me and Layla, like it's this, it's, this is our, our business. It's our life. This 100%. Yeah. He's very open and transparent about that. Because he's got self awareness. Yeah. So people look <laughs> at him and skill. go, "Well, yeah. he sold his business for fifty million dollars. Why can't I do that?" Well, are you willing to do what he's done to do that? Is an important question. Yeah. yeah. And anyhow, all that's for another day. Greg, I'll good chat as always. It's the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, guys. Uh, have a good one. Find a hobby. See ya.